0: Well, grab your Bible this morning and stand with me as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord. Turn with me, if you would, this morning to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 9. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 9, and we're going to read verse number 10 this morning. Amen. I think we need to turn the lights back out. I'm kind of depressed now. I see there are a lot of empty seats this morning now that the lights are on. I believe it must be summertime. But anyway, we're glad you're here this morning. I know a lot of folks are gone on vacation and maybe some just slept in this morning and will be here in the second service. But we're glad that you are here today amen amen it is summertime we don't begrudge anyone from uh vacation we're going to spend some time away as well this summer i think it's important that we uh you know we uh somebody said come apart or come apart and i think we need to come apart sometimes so that we don't come apart and i don't begrudge anyone from going just uh make sure that you come back amen And if you're in town, be here every single service. Kind of make up for those that are gone. The book of Ecclesiastes this morning, chapter number 9 and verse number 10. The wisdom writer writes, and he says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Let's read it again. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Here's the reason, because there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. This morning I want to talk to you for a few moments about working for God, working for God. Father, we thank you that we all have an opportunity and incredible privilege, Lord, to work for you. Some of us are blessed to have been called into full-time ministry, and, and we thank you for that, Lord, and we have the opportunity of giving our life for the ministry, but I thank you, Lord, that whether we're a full-time minister, part-time minister, on staff or not, Lord, all of us have a work to do in the kingdom of God. There's work for all of us to do for you, and I thank you for that privilege. Help us, dear God, to understand and recognize, Lord, that it is our responsibility to work for you in your kingdom. Bless the message. The messenger opened the heart of the hearer today. We ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said praise the Lord. Praise well, you may be reseated this morning. Now, we understand according unto uh, Ephesians chapter number 2 and especially verses 8 and 9. That we are saved by grace and by grace alone. I believe this morning that works have absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. There's no one this morning that can uh, be good enough or do enough good deeds in order to merit salvation. But for the grace of God, every single person that has ever been born or ever will be born will be lost. We are not saved or lost based upon our works or not based upon our lack of good works. But we are saved or we are lost based upon the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved based upon our acceptance, our embrace of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross or our rejection of his work. Do you agree with me this morning? Now although our good works don't determine our salvation, yet our works or lack of good works will determine our rewards or lack of rewards. How many understand it's not going to be one size fits all in heaven? We're not all going to be on the same plane. We're not all going to be of the same status. We're not all going to enjoy all of the exact same things. There's going to be a differentiating uh, of reward and of status and a place uh, in the kingdom of God in, in heaven. Yes, friend, although our good works do not determine our salvation, yet our works or our lack of good works will determine our reward or lack of reward as well as our position in heaven. You say, well, where do you get that, preacher? Well, I have a manual that I go to that gives me the answers to my questions. Paul wrote in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, speaking to Christians here, he said, we must all, say all, all, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one, say each one, that each one may receive the things done in their body, notice, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 says that on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work. Say kind of work. kind of work. On judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work the saints have done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the saint will receive a reward. No, friend, God works, uh, good works do not save us, and yet it will be according to our good works uh, that will determine our eternal rewards and our status in heaven. In our text, Solomon gives us some good admonition concerning good works. Now, in order for us to uh, understand this uh, in light of today and the dispensation that we live in, we need to remember what Paul uh, said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 7. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 7, he said, whether we work for man or we work for God. We should perform our work as unto God. In other words, Paul said, it doesn't matter if I'm in secular work or I'm in what we call clergy or, or, or ministry. Whatever our work is, uh, we don't work as unto man, but we work as unto God. Some of you are struggling in your job. Some of you are struggling in your work. And the reason you are is, is because you're doing it as unto man. You're doing it for your boss, or you're doing it to receive a paycheck or you're doing it just because you've got to work. But Paul said that no matter what it is that we do, no matter where we work or what we do, we need to do it not as unto man, but do it as unto God. Our work, whether we're singing a song or preaching a sermon or teaching a lesson or we're out digging a ditch somewhere or punching a clock somewhere, going nine to five, amen, all of it should be done as unto the Lord. Brother Ricky, when you're driving down the road in that 18-wheeler, amen, you need to be doing it not for your boss, not just to get something from A to Z, but you need to be doing it with joy and enthusiasm as unto the Lord. Our job would be a whole lot better. The day would go a whole lot quicker. We would enjoy our life a whole lot more if we understood that when we work, whatever it is we do, we need to do it as unto the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 7 says, Work with enthusiasm. Well, how in the world can I be enthused about digging a ditch? How in the world can I be enthused about punching a button or spinning all day behind the, the screen, uh, uh, you know, and and, and and all of this? How can I do it? Well, you can do it. He said, Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord and rather for than for people. So, in light of what Paul teaches us here, we should look at our text. In this life, the work that we do is not unto man, but our work is as unto the Lord. So let's read our text one more time. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Now, as I look at this uh, one little verse, I find four different admonitions that Solomon gives us in this one verse as they relate to our work. So here they are this morning. I believe according unto this passage, there's four things that we need to do. First of all, this morning, we need to do what you can. Just simply do what you can. Notice the phrase, your hand. Say your hand. hand. Say it again, "Your your hand. Solomon said, whatever your hand finds to do. You see, when it comes to working for God, do what you can. Help me understand this morning that God doesn't expect us to do everything, but He does expect us to do something. I said God doesn't expect us to do everything, but He expects us to do something. I've got news for some of you this morning. God didn't save us just so that we could go to heaven when we die. And that's the way a lot of people live for God. That's the way a lot of people serve the Lord. They just, you know, it's just like, it's just a fire escape. It's just a way out of hell. Uh, uh, You know, they've got just enough of God uh, uh, to keep them out of uh, hell, just enough of God to get them into heaven. But listen, God didn't save us just so that we could go to heaven when we die. God also saved us to work for Him. And let me tell you something else this morning. Coming to church is not working for God. Some of you think this morning, well, I've done my duty this morning. I've come to the house of God and I'll come again in two or three weeks. (laughs) Coming to church is not working for God. We come to church to worship the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. But we also come to the house of God that we might become better equipped to work for the Lord. Look with me in the book of Ephesians this morning, the book of Ephesians chapter number four. The book of Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 11. Speaking about Jesus, it says, and he gave some, and this is talking about his gifts to the church, and he gave, and and he himself gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers. This is the gift of God to the church. The pastor is God's gift to the church. He's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? (laughs) But not only is the pastor God's gift to the church, but the prophet and the apostle and the evangelist and the teacher. These are all gifts that God has given to the church. All right, here's the gifts God gave for the church. What did he give these gifts for? Well, verse 12 tells us what all of these gifts are for. And he says, therefore, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. We're not to hire a pastor to do all the work. It's not his job to do all the work. Amen? It's not the evangelist's job to do all the work, or the teacher's job, or the apostle, or the prophet. It's not not their job to do all of the work of the church. But their job is to equip you. Their job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. Now, the modern-day church wants to hire professional clergy to do all the work of the church. Well, we're not getting all the work done. There's stuff that needs to be done. Well, we better hire another staff member. That's the mentality of the American church today is we can just hire another staff member. We can hire another pastor. We can get another preacher. We can get another minister. We can pay them. That's what man does. But God's plan is for the full-time ministers to teach and train the people of the church how to minister and do the work of the church. And God equips every person with gifts and talents and abilities. And His will for us is that we use our gifts, our talents, our abilities in our everyday lives for the glory of the Lord. And we must understand that all of us have different kinds of gifts. My gifts are different from your gifts. And Pastor Steve's gifts are different from Pastor Braden's gifts. And Pastor Pam's gifts are different from Pastor Houston's gifts. And yet all of us have gifts. All of us have talents. All of us have abilities that are needed in the church. But it's not just the, those of us on staff. It's not only those of us in full-time ministry, amen, that have gifts and talents and abilities that are to be used for, uh, to, to bless the church. But every member, every individual in the body of Christ God has gifted you with gifts talents and abilities and he wants you to use those gifts talents and abilities amen for the work of the Lord in the house of the Lord and outside the house of the Lord as well let's look real quickly this morning the book of first Corinthians chapter 12 first Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 12 The Bible says, but as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many talking about the church, the body of Christ, the body, the church is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If a whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if there were all... And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't have any need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Yet our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor in that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body or division, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice in it. Now you are the body of Christ and members Individually. The Bible says that the church is like the body and that every member of the body is important. The hand is not the foot, but the hand is very important, especially when it's time to eat. The head is not everything, but the head is very important. Amen. Every member of the body uh, has an individual function and use and yet every single, uh, every single individual part of the body is important. Just cut off one of your fingers and see how much that you miss it. You may not think much about your fingers, but when you lose one or two of your fingers, you'll realize that it's kind of hard to do a lot of things if you don't have some fingers. And a lot of people in the body of Christ in the church, they're doing absolutely nothing in the church. And they think, well, I'm not important. I can't do very much. I don't have any uh, ability or talent. I'm not grand or or, 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 or great or anything. What can I do? And yet every single member is important in the body of Christ. And it takes every single member in order for the body to function at least at the level that is intended to function. What gift do you possess that God can use? Can you sing? Now, I know everybody thinks they can sing, but not everybody really can sing. Sometimes those that are singing ought not be singing, and those that ought to be singing aren't singing. Oh, I could get anointed or annoying real quick. Can you teach? Do you have the ability to teach? Hey, if 75% of your people are nodding off, maybe you don't have that ability. <laughs> Wake up out there, would you? <laughs> Do you love children? Is there a love in your heart for, for all those little wiggles and giggles? Do you have the gift of hospitality? Do you love serving and making people feel welcome and at home and making people feel good? If, if that's the gift that you have, you ought to be at the front door, or the side door. You ought to be your ushering and, and greeting because you've got a gift that needs to be used in the body. It's wonderful if the preacher can preach, but hey, if everybody's grouchy and cranky to them on the way out, they may not even last through worship. Are you a giver? Do you love to give? And do you have something to give? Are you gifted at fixing things? I mean, you can just fix about anything that breaks. Let me tell you, there's a ministry available for you at New Bethel. Because we have some people that have the, uh, the spiritual gift of breaking things. Do you have a green thumb? Can you grow anything? Amen, we can use you, amen, on the landscape committee. Oh, that's not very spiritual. Let me tell you that when people drive by our property and they see weeds and grass grown up and, and flowers unattended and all of these kinds of things, they're going to keep on growing. They're going to think if they don't think any more of their church than that, I don't want to see what's on the inside. Amen, it's wonderful if you have something awesome and incredible to offer on the inside, but you got to get them in here in order for them to receive it. What is it that you have? What is it that, that, that God has gifted you with? What is it that God has blessed you with that you can use in the body of Christ? Had a man in my church years ago. His father was a minister and his father decided he wanted to ask God where he fit, what he was in the body of Christ. And so he asked God, he prayed and he said, God, where am I? What am I in the church? What am I in the body? What part, what member am I of the body of Christ? And God told him he was the big toe. And he was offended. What do you mean big toe? God, I'm a man of God, full of faith and power for the hour. I've through churches. I've, I've preached giant crusade. I've laid hands on people and they have recovered from their illnesses. I'm a man of God. And you tell me I'm the big toe? God said, try walking without your big toe. He said, the big toe... Adds balance to the body. All of a sudden, he saw himself in a different light. Oh, oh! I add balance to the body. There's people that are on every extreme, but I'm the big toe. I bring everything into balance. Let me understand this morning, there's a work to be done. There's a work to be done at the church. There's a work to be done in the community. There's a work to be done in your own home and in your own neighborhood. Do what you can. And hear me this morning, not everybody does everything well, but everybody does something well. I said, not everybody does everything well, but everybody does something well. You'll so find that one or two things, and that's about all it is. It's just one or two things that we do really really well. I don't I'm not talking about getting by. I'm not saying average. I'm not saying that'll get us through. I'm saying that for all of us there's usually just one or two things that we do uh, better than just about any other person, better than the average individual. That one or two things that comes easy for us. It's work for everybody else. It's hard for everybody else, but it just comes easy for us. It's natural for us. Oh, it's something that we just love doing. Everybody else dreads it. Everybody else hates it, but we just love doing it. It's what gets us up in the morning. Oh, that one or two things that we excel in. Everything else we're just kind of average or a little bit below average. But this one or two things is something that we excel in. It's something that people recognize and tell you you do well. Let me tell you that if somebody's not telling you that you do something well, then you're just about average or below average in that area. Oh, I'm a singer, are you? If you're a singer, somebody's telling you you're a singer, amen? You're sitting out in the audience and somebody in front of you hears you sing and they're saying, man, you ought to be on the praise team. You ought to be up there singing, man, you've got a great voice. Somebody is recognizing it. Somebody is uh, hearing it. Somebody is, is, is recognizing that, man, you've got something, you have a talent that is above the norm and above the average. Let me tell you, if people are not telling you, amen, that, about it, if you're not hearing it from other people, that's probably not your gift. Doesn't mean you don't have gifts, that's just not one of them. God has given you a gift, a talent and ability, and He expects you to use this gift for Him. Do what? You can. The second uh, thing I find in this little verse is do it with what you have. Do it with what you have. Back to our our text. Solomon says, whatever. Say, "whatever." whatever. Whatever. Whatever your hand finds to do, Solomon said. You see, most Christians are waiting on that perfect situation to develop. Then they'll go to work for God. When the circumstances are perfect and they line up exactly right. When this happens or that happens or something else happens. No, do what you can with what you have. Hear me this morning, God doesn't need a lot, He just needs something. I said God doesn't need a lot, He just needs something. And God can't do anything with what you don't have. I said, God can't do anything with what you don't have, but he can work miracles with what you do have. God asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? Moses said, no big deal, it's just a rod, just a common everyday rod, just a regular, average, run-of-the-mill shepherd's staff. But God used that common shepherd's staff to work miracle after miracle after miracle. God can't do anything with what you don't have, but he can work miracles with what you do have. All that the widow of Zarephath, all she had was enough meal and enough oil to make two little bitty pieces of cornbread. And she and her son were going to eat them, and then they were going to die of starvation. but the man of God says, give me what you have. And she gave the man of God what she had. And God used what she had to sustain her, her son, and the prophet Elijah for a year. Jesus used what the little boy had. He didn't have a whole lot. All he had was five loaves. He only had five little biscuits and two little perch. I mean he had a little knapsack. His mother had sent him off with a little boy's lunch. That's not a lot. A little boy's lunch is not a lot. But God doesn't need a lot. All God needs is a little bit. And the little boy was willing to put into the hands of the Lord the little bit that he had. And Jesus took from the little boy what he had and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. And 5,000 families were fed all you can eat that day because the little boy simply did what he could with what he had people say well I don't have much well that's okay That's okay if you don't have a whole lot. God doesn't need a whole lot. God doesn't need much, but He does need something. And let me tell you this morning that you already have in your possession right now the very thing that God can use to work miracles in and through your life. Solomon said, Whatever your hand finds to do, do what you can with what you have. And do it, number three, where you are. Where you are. This is a big one. Notice the phrase, finds to do. Say that with me. Finds to do. Finds to do. Whatever your hand finds to do. how many understand. Sometimes we have to look around a little bit. Sometimes we need to inquire. Sometimes we need to ask around. Amen. And find out what needs to be done. Now, just a few moments, I said that we need to be hooked up with our gifts, talents, and abilities. They are a clue to our life's work. They are a clue to our fulfillment. They're a clue for our work and our ministry for the Lord. And yet some people use this as an excuse to do nothing for God. Well, I know what my gifts, talents, and abilities are, and they don't need those gifts, talents, and abilities in the church right now, so I can just sit here and do nothing. No, until somebody discovers your real, true gifts, talents, and abilities. Until a a position opens up that is in line directly with your gifts, talents, and ability. Amen. Just look around you. Amen. Find something to do. Amen. Find something to do. It may not be what you do best. It may not be what you're going to excel, but you're not doing it forever. You're just finding something to do to get involved in the work of God. Jesus said in John 4 and 35 to lift up your eyes and look. Say, look. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields because they are already white for for harvest. I promise you this morning that right now, this very moment, you are living in the middle of an overripe harvest field. It may be in your family. It may be your extended family. It might be on your job. It might be at school. It might be your next door neighbor. Some of you this morning just cannot wait for January and the missions trip to Belize. I think we have like 20-something people signed up to go to Belize in January for a missions trip. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome and incredible. Oh, there are a multitude of needs there. I I have been there myself already, and I know the needs are are everywhere. There's going to be incredible opportunities for all of us to do ministry there. Friend, it's wonderful to go to another country and minister. I'm going to... Hear me this morning, let's not neglect our own harvest field that's all around us right now. Let's not just sit around and talk about how great it's going to be once we get to Belize in January. Oh, all that we're going to do and all that we're going to be involved in when we get over there. Amen. And yet every day we go to work and there's people that are lost. Every day we drive out of our driveway and our neighbor is lost. Every day we have people living in our own house or in our own family that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ and here we are all consumed about what we're going to do in a few months in another country and every day we're walking by people, amen, that need what we have to give them now. Amen. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields today. Look around you. Look in your life. You're already in the middle of an incredible overripe harvest field. Amen. Amen. Do what you can where you are. Don't go off to some other church and work. Pastor, God's calling me to another church to work. Don't go off to some other church to work. Work right here. We need workers too. Oh, I know it's more exciting to think about going to somebody else's church or going off in some other ministry to to, to work while we have work to be done right here that we can't get done in our own church. I'm preaching better than you're shouting now. If you're taking notes this morning, and if you're not, shame on you. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. God always starts with us right where we are. God always starts with us right where we are. Look at Genesis chapter 13. Book of Genesis chapter 13. Verse 14 and 15 says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. God told Abraham, lift up your eyes and look. But notice the next phrase, from the place where you are. God always starts with us right where we are. Well, God, if I get this right, if that right, if I get this lined up and that lined up and this situation and that circumstance happens, Lord, after I do all of that, then you can use us. No, God says to, to, to lift up our eyes and look from the place where we are. God always starts with us right where we are. And hear me this morning, God is not going to take you, uh, you somewhere else until you prove faithful right where you are. Oh, God, I want you to use me, use me, Jesus, use me, and oh, Lord, don't refuse me. Oh, take me here, there, somewhere, open some door, give me some grandiose opportunity somewhere. I'm telling you, that grandiose opportunity is never going to happen for you. God's never going to open a door for you somewhere else until you become faithful to God and His work right where you are. Remember the demon-possessed man from Gadara that Jesus delivered from 6,000 demons? Story is found in Luke chapter number 8. His family had given up on him. Society had given up on him. He was, he was forced to live out his life among the tombs. The only people willing to keep company with him was the dead. Uh, they had no choice. And there he is living out the remainder of his life among the tombs. That was his life, to live among the tombs. Nobody would go out. No one would go near him. Nobody else would go see him. But Jesus went specifically to see him one day. And Jesus delivered him and set him free from those demons. The Bible says that once he was free from demon possession and once he was back in his right mind, uh, oh, this man wanted to join the ministry team of Jesus. Oh, he could just see himself traveling with Jesus. Oh, let me travel with you, Jesus. I, I could be the opening act for your crusade. Wow, wow, I could get up and I could tell my testimony. I could tell them about being possessed with 6,000 demons. I could tell them about being forsaken and given up on by society. And you came along and you delivered me from the demons. Oh, oh I could build the faith of everybody we could see incredible unbelievable miracles because I would build their faith with my testimony let me join your team let me go and be your opening act in your your crusade but the Bible says the Bible said in Luke chapter 8 and verse 39 Jesus said to the man he said return to your own house Oh, I want to go with you. I want to travel with you. I, I want to be an itinerant minister. Oh, I want to go far and wide. I want to, I want to be, uh, uh, give our, my testimony everywhere. But Jesus said, go home. Go to your own house and tell them what great things God has done for you. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus told him, do what you can and do it with what you have and do it where you are. Now we don't know this morning. Everything that happened is not recorded in the Bible. We who knows but what this man might have joined the ministry team of Jesus sometime later, but not until he had proven himself right where he was. God always starts with us right where we are. Only when we are found faithful where we are, only then will he open another door for us. Had a man in my church a few years ago, he wanted to be a pastor. Well, he couldn't even get to church on time. He couldn't even tithe. How are you going to be a pastor if you can't even get to church on time? And you can't even tithe. Amen. Let me tell you something. God's not going to open another door for you. God's not going to do something great and grand and glorious and grandiose for you somewhere else until you prove yourself faithful to God right where you are. Only when we are found faithful where we are, only then will he open another door for us. We're talking about working for God this morning. God has something for all of us to do. It might be big, it might be small. One little mama of three kids had this sign hanging over her sink in the kitchen. Divine services held here three times daily. A woman with five kids responded to an altar call about missions one Sunday. She said to her pastor, she said, Pastor, I believe that God is calling me into the mission field. And that wise pastor pointed to her five children and he said, I believe it and God has already given you your mission field. According to Paul in Ephesians 6 and 7, we should count all work as the work of the Lord. We should do our work as though we are working for God and not for man. So in light of this, our mission field could be our workplace. Our mission field could be that we are representative of God to our boss and our fellow workers. We we are God's representative to our neighborhood. We are God's representative to our family. Listen, friend, the church is only one place where we work for God. We should understand that all work is God's work. And we do it as unto the Lord. Four admonitions I find in this little verse, do what you can, do it with what you have, do it where you are, and number four this morning, do it while you can while you can you know what you 're not always going to have the influence that you have now. you have some influence now, there are people that, that 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 are under you, there are people that look up to you, you have influence today that you may not have next year, you may not have five years from now, you may not have next week. You have influence right now that you may not always have. You may not always hold the position that you hold right now. Let me tell you that your kids won't always be as impressionable as they are now. Now while they're small, now while they are little, now while they think that you are Superman or Wonder Woman, they won't always think that way. But they do right now. If they won't always be as impressionable as they are right now. You won't always have the authority that you have right now. Galatians 6 and 10 says that we ought to make the most out of every opportunity. Friend, God places us at specific places at strategic times. And it's up to us to take advantage of the opportunity. So do what you can while you can. Too often we allow opportunities to slip through our fingertips. Oh, God sets everything up for us. He places us at the right place. He places us at the right time in this specific and strategic place and time. And then the Holy Spirit nudges us to say something or nudges us to do something. And yet we procrastinate and yet we put it off. And the dime goes by and the opportunity slips right through our hands. And it might be an opportunity that we never have again. Work for God, friend, while you can. While you can. Amen. And then there's the time element. Not everybody. Nobody lives forever. Solomon said in our text, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might because because there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. Sooner or later, all of us will run out of time. Jesus said it like this in John 9 and 4. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Because the night comes when no one can work. Jesus was saying here, I must do what I can while I can. Some of you here this morning have been saying for a long, long time, I'm going to get more involved in church. I need to get more involved in church. I need to do more than just show up at church two or three times a month. I need to do more than just show up and put a few dollars in the offering plate. I'm going to get more involved in church. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to get in part. I don't know what it is they need. I don't know what it is that I can do or how I can contribute. But you've been saying for a long, long time, I'm going to get more involved in the work of the Lord. I'm going to start working for God. Well, let me encourage you today. Start today. Do what you can while you can. Start looking for opportunities to minister. Ask the staff where you could be used. But don't stop at church. Look around in your family. Look around in your workplace. Look around in your neighborhood. Friend, if there's something that needs to be done in your family or in your workplace or in your neighborhood, amen, do it while you can. Work while you can. The opportunity is available to you right now. Do it while you can. Give flowers while people are still living. Sometimes we send flowers to dead people. And if you think about it, maybe you never ever sent them a flower ever before. You wait until they're dead and then you sent the flower. Not going to do them a whole lot of good. Amen. You, Affirm people while they are still alive to hear it. Yeah. Appreciate people while they are still alive. Don't wait for them to leave or don't wait for them to die. And then you show your appreciation and you tell them, I don't know how we'll ever make it without you. I don't know how that we'll ever do without you. Well, you know what? They may still would still be with you. Amen. If you appreciated them sometime along the way. Do what you can while you can. If we could get the musicians and singers back in place this morning. We've been talking about working for God today. Friend, God didn't save you just in order for you to go to heaven. You haven't done your duty this morning because you showed up. And maybe or maybe not, you put a few bucks in the offering plate and you think that you've done your duty and you think that you've done all that you are to do. There is a work for all of us to do. God didn't save us just in order to go to heaven, but He saved us in order that we might help somebody else go to heaven. He saved us that we might work for Him. We're a part of the body of Christ. Maybe we're a finger or a toe or a hand. Oh, there are plenty of tongues. Amen. (laughs) And there's too many ears even too. (laughs) Oh, I could really get annoying here, but I won't. I'm so nice, I'll keep going. God didn't save us just in order to go to heaven, but He saved us to work for Him. Every single saint ought to be involved in the work of the Lord. Everybody ought to be doing something in the house of God, but that's not all of the work for God. Amen, there's also work for God on your job, or in your family, or in your surroundings. There's work for all of us to do, and all of us ought to be involved in the work of God. God has equipped all of us with our own personal set of gifts and talents and abilities. Let me tell you something, friend. God expects us to use them for Him. And one day when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Lord is going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? I gave you gifts. I gave you talents. I gave you abilities. I gave them for a reason and a purpose. What did you do with what I gave you? And Many are going to be like that man that just received the one talent and he went behind the house and dug a hole and buried it. Well, if I'd have had a different gift, if I'd have had a gift, different talent, if I'd have had a different ability, but you don't. And the good thing is if you don't have those other gifts, talents, and abilities, you're not going to be responsible for those gifts. But there are gifts, talents, and abilities that you have different than everybody else that God is going to require you to give an account of what you did when you stand before God. Amen? Hallelujah. Would you stand with me in the presence of the Lord this morning, oh friend? We will be saved or we will be lost based upon our dependence or our rejection of Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. And yet, we will be rewarded or we will not receive rewards. Amen. Based upon our works, Solomon said, "Whatever your your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might." In a nutshell. Solomon said do what you can do it with what you have and do it right where you are and do it while you can while you can while you can father I just pray today that you'll take this little word today it's nothing new it's one of the oldest sermons that's ever been preached I understand that but it's still something that we need to be reminded of from time to time oh God Help us, oh God. We want to be involved in the work of the Lord. We want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a little bit. You did good with that little bit I gave you. I'm going to reward you accordingly. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Very quickly as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, nobody's looking about today. I just wonder this morning. I I don't want...